0: hello mustang fans and welcome to another ford performance edition of the mustang owners podcast i'm your host john clore you know From my years with AutoWeek Magazine, the Ford Special Vehicle Team, Ford Racing, and now Ford Performance, I've always known that everyone has a Mustang story. So to that end, I hope you're reading my efforts to tell your story in the Enthusiast section of FordPerformance.com as well as keeping up with all the latest happening in the Mustang hobby by checking out FordPerformanceClubConnect.com every week. My co-host is a Mustang hobby and industry insider who's perhaps best known as the longtime president of the mustang owners club of southeastern michigan or Moxum, one of the largest and most active mustang clubs on the continent plus who also heads up boxum for you bronco owners as well as being the new leader behind the international council of mustang clubs of course i could only be talking about my great friend mike ray mike tonight we've got an automotive journalist
1: superstar i think he's got enough stories to probably uh, fill about 10 episodes
0: yeah, that's the problem, ladies and gentlemen, here on the podcast, because this guy, we could do 500 podcasts and you'd listen to every one of them until the, your batteries ran out. Because this guy, we're going to be talking tonight with one of my longtime friends, Matt Stone, and no, not the actor by the same name, but Matt Stone, the freelance journalist, author, broadcaster, uh, former editor of Motor Trend Classic. I mean matt's been an automotive journalist uh and a photographer since way well, i think in 1990 he's been a contributor to so many car magazines beginning with my alma mater auto week right out on through motortrend.com while being heard on the MotorTrend radio network and now yes matt stone can be read on fordperformance.com plus he's authored and photographed more than a dozen books which he's got me beat by 10 <laughs> and even more in the uh, hopper and he's I used to listen to him on uh, Speed, Fox Sports, Barrett Jackson auctions, Sullivan broadcast team. He's been a class judge at Pebble Beach, uh, the de d'Elegance. He's been a judge at Amelia Island, uh, Concorde d'Elegance. He knows his Italian cars as well as he knows his Italian food. He officiates at other shows. He serves uh, as a past officer and board director of the keynote dress committee chairman and past president of my Motor Press Guild. Now I'm in the uh, Automotive uh, Press Association. Plus. And it does so many things, and not only that, folks, so many things. Well, please welcome to the Mustang Owners Podcast, Matt Stone. Matt, what an intro.
2: Well, you know, John, uh, since 1990, my batteries are running out. <laughs> no, no, please, no. I hope not. Matt, uh, I tell you,
0: anybody listening to the podcast tonight, if they, if they say they're a Mustang fan and they don't know the name Matt Stone, they're just not paying attention.
2: Well, um, I always say, I always say when I introduce myself anywhere, I always say I'm the other Matt Stone. Yeah, because right. you alluded to that the Matt Stone the Dead South Park is the young guy that's rich and gets all the chicks, and I am none of the above. <laughs> oh, that, no, the older guy who gets all the chicks, that's Mike Ray. Ah.
0: <laughs> so, so, Matt, Mike and I, we had to have you on the show. I mean, we've all got your books, and, you know, i remember back when i first and ladies and gentlemen you have to trust me when i tell you this when i was at auto week i used to run a uh, section of the magazine called escape road and it's the back of the book and we would take freelance contributions and and read them and and i'd say well you know i could this guy's got talent or this guy I have to send that really cool rejection letter and <clears throat> so i remember seeing a a manuscript uh from matt stone this same matt stone we're talking to tonight and I think Matt, you were you were some kind of an insurance underwriter out there in California, and you wanted to write about cars, and you wrote this really good piece about the Ford F1 pickup. And I was running a truck issue, and I had nobody writing about trucks. And I just liked the way you wrote, uh, very conversational. You, you you had you had all the right lingo. You were just you were just connected to the way car people talked, and that's the way you wrote. You weren't sending everybody to the dictionary. And it was just like you and I sat down and just talked about old Ford pickups. And I immediately took to it, put it in there. And I remember the executive editor saying, who's this Matt Stone guy? He's never going to amount to anything. And when you became executive editor of Motor China, I had to remind him, because he was long gone from the auto week by that time, that I told you I can tell talent. Mike, I could tell talent back then. And Matt Stone went on to achieve far greater heights than I ever could just because of that skill. Matt, I don't know what you
2: did. But
0: congratulations on such a storied career
2: well thank you john we're We're all just car guys in the same barn is the way I look at it you know i'm I am just another car fool like all the rest of us and i got i got a i got a keyboard in one hand and a camera in the other but but i'm I'm the same car fool as just all the rest of us and I thank you for that introduction with one small correction. It was the nineteen fifty three to fifty six f one hundred the oh, king of the fat fendered Ford pickups from the new. that was
0: the one that that set the world ablaze and never you never went back. Uh, I, I, I'm and Mike, you can tell when you read Matt stuff. And uh, folks, if you're checking out like I ask you in the intro to FordPerformance.com, you'll see Matt's stuff appearing our our enthusiast section all the time. And Matt, it's it's not just the cars. It's not just your reviews of driving. It's it, it's it even your perspective of events. Mike, the cool thing about Matt is when I give him a story assignment, there's no explaining it. You know, I mean, I, I need a Ford spin. I'm I'm working for a Ford website and and Stony knows Mustang so well that you just send him in there and you get when you start reading them, you get that feeling like, yeah, I, that's, that's how I would have said it if I were there, if I had that skill. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know, and I don't know, Mike, do you read, if you get to read them a lot, but uh, I, we're so lucky to have Matt, who's, you know, and, and Matt, I remember uh, Club Connect wound me up in California at a dealership somewhere in Bakersfield. I can't remember
2: where that was. I mean, yes. It was Yes. Yeah, and you were there. One, one Ford dealership in Bakersfield, probably the only one that would go there.
0: <laughs> but you showed up. And Mike, do you know why he showed up? Because he, there were a bunch of Mustangs there that night. The club was there. And some guy, I think he may have been a former chip officer, had this California Highway Patrol Fox body, and it rolled out. I thought, oh, my God, that, that thing looks like it just rolled off the assembly line. It took us back into, you know, I was looking for Eric Estrada.
2: Yeah, except Estrada rode a motorcycle, but it's okay. Oh, that's true. But, but, but yeah, if if, if if a 1992 special service Mustang cop car was ever restored to pebble beach quality this yeah. was it and yeah. uh, and uh, that was a fun fun story to do and what what of course blew i think away and me was you open up the trunk and there's all the cop stuff in the back the <laughs> flares the jacks the body bags the emergency signs the whole thing this guy had it all i mean it wasn't just the car with, a, with, a, with a, a broken, you know, CHP radio screwed to the dash. <laughs> I mean, he had it all. He had a plastic version of the cop spec shotgun bolted to the mirror using the authentic bracket that the CHP used. That's the level of this car. And John and I were going completely bonkers over this thing, standing out in a Ford dealer parking lot in (laughs) Bakersfield.
0: well i don't know if you know this matt mike ray uh got involved with the uh, mustang hobby and i know it's been mike how many years now have you been president of moxham
1: uh it'll be going on 19.
0: hear that believe it or not summer is just around the corner luckily armor all america's most trusted auto appearance brand has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. Armorall, Less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: Good God. Um, and, you know, I remember being in my local club here in Detroit and before Mike had Moxum, I was maybe 110 members and on a little tiny show. And how Mike's grown this, but when I got to know that he got into the hobby because of the Fox body, and not just any Fox body, it wasn't an SSP, but an SVO. And Mike, there's something about that car that got you interested in Mustang, just like
1: Matt Stone loves the Fox body as well. What was it with you? Yeah, I've had, uh, I grew up in that era. So, you know, graduated high school in 89, so right in the heart of the Fox body era. And so I've I've owned nine Mustangs in my life. Eight of them have been Fox bodies. And yeah, SBO was rare, cool, different looking. Um, but the reason I ever got rid of it at the end was it just wasn't fast enough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Matt, Matt, you solved that problem by getting into all sorts of cars. Of course, at Motortrend, you, you, you have to, you've driven everything. You, I mean, just about anything that came across from the ocean or from here, you know, that's the one good thing about being a magazine journalist. You were able to drive all that stuff. But how did you get from this little domestic affinity to, with Mustang into your other passion, which I think you know more about Italian sports cars than just about anybody I know. How did you get hooked up with all that?
2: Mm. Well, I, I want to say the true. I'm, I, I am a very much hard of Ford guy, and I do love my Mustangs, but I'm an automotive omnivore. I eat all meats. Okay, and um, I suppose what got me really, really into the whole Italian car scene is that I had a Pantera. Oh God! And of course, you know, there's the Ford three fifty one Cleveland, in an, in a beautiful Italian designed and Italian built coachwork that goes and handles and stops and does everything that you want a car to do, and that probably lit the lit the candle for me. In terms of Italian cars and sports cars, but like I said, I'm an automotive omnivore. I eat all meats. <laughs> I can probably get as happy standing next to the right tractor as I can a <laughs> Boss 302.
0: Well, so you know, um, <laughs> my, my, Mike, uh, he likes Italian, but it's usually pasta. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt, that's th- the fact that you know we we saw. I get your book and I read your Mustang stuff and. You know, you like to you talk about not just the, the things that make Mustang work and, you know, why there are significant changes, but you also like to tell the story of the car and how, you know, it's it's, it's lived like we're coming on 60 years now, Matt. I mean, that doesn't happen. Uh, the, a nameplate that hasn't been completely and totally bastardized, um, they actually still have a pony car uh, this far after 1964 has got to be pretty spectacular, even in automotive journalism terms.
2: Oh yeah, it's a run that that very few movie stars could could even hope for. <laughs> uh, you think about it. I mean, how many times have they reincarnated and killed the Camaro? I stopped counting. You know, I'm done counting that one because it's already happened again, and uh, and and we're the last man standing.
0: Yeah, that's Mustang.
2: right. And because them the big dirty Dodges are gone are gone, and um, and I don't think that Hornet is anybody going to care, honestly. Mm. But um, but the um you know the the big bad dodgers are gone and the camaros going down again and and we're still making mustangs don't it?
0: yeah you know and mike i don't know if you know this speaking of movie stars matt uh has written a great book you know with his affinity towards the bullet car um and there's just something about um steve mcqueen uh really the... you noticed that <laughs> <laughs> How did you get into the whole Steve McQueen thing and the books? You, I mean, you got into the nitty gritty.
2: Yeah, I did. Well, it kind of all started in. You were saying, when were you in high school, Mike? I think you know, I might. Eighty nine. I graduated. I graduated college about that time.
1: (laughs) I got shoes. I'm I'm a
2: little older than you, but I got shoes from 1989. (laughs) You probably have the socks
0: too. They're white ones, and I go dun 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 dun. Dun, dun 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 dun
2: Okay, that's enough. No singing. No singing okay. on the podcast, please. Um, or I'll take this headset off right now. <laughs> no, but the McQueen um, the book, what a yeah, book that was. Yeah, thank you. I, I think for me, honestly, it started in, in 1968 when my father took me to the Cinerama Dome in Hollywood, California, to see a new movie, Bullet. And if you don't know the Cinerama Dome, it's not quite a theater in the round. It's a theater in about the 270 degrees, and it was as good as we had to IMAX back then. Big tall screens, screens that wrapped from your left shoulder to your right, and and for what at the time was killer sound, and to to see to sit there and see that Mustang bouncing up and down Taylor Street, and this impossibly cool blue-eyed dude just driving it and burning out and doing all the crazy stuff that they did in that movie. And uh, I think that for me was a a certain Mustang die was cast at that point, and certainly a Steve McQueen one. And then um, I guess when I started doing books somewhere along the trail, um, I, I started... I became aware of, of Steve McQueen more and more as a racer and a, and a, a motorcycle racer, and an enthusiast, and, a, and, a, and, a, and I wouldn't say a car collector. I would say a gatherer. He he would never cop to being a collector. I think he would admit to being a gatherer. And anyway, I, I came to be introduced to the family. And then I put together the family, meaning uh, Steve McQueen's first wife, Neil, and his son, Chad. And then the rest of the family, and um, I'll make this long story short. I put together, started putting together a list of all of Steve McQueen's cars and bikes. And when that spreadsheet got onto about the fourth or fifth page, I said, this is is my next book. And I did it. awesome. I did it in 2006 called McQueen's Machines. Mm -hmm. And then um, I had a chapter in there dedicated to Bullet, but it just wasn't enough. And then, of course, when the when the bullet cars were came to light just a few years ago. Yeah, that's, I was curious about that. What did you think of that? Well, I was overwhelmed. It's like, man, the holy grails have surfaced. Both of them. And and through very unique circumstances, have they lived since 1968? One of them almost not. The other one in, in a total hiding hole seclusion situation. Mm-hmm. But I just felt that, you know, there's so much legend rumor and lie about that movie, about that guy, those cars and that the stunts and the whole thing. I said, there's just more myth and mystery than fact and truth. And I said, I'm I'm gonna put this straight. So I got together with Chad McQueen and I said, I, I just I gotta do this. Are you okay with that? He said, oh yeah. He said, after 50 years of bullshit, you'll pardon me, for quoting him in that <laughs> parlance, about this movie and about those cars and about my dad. Yeah, I want somebody to tell it right. He yeah. said, So just follow the story, follow your research, just, just do what you do and do it, and, and I'll love it. And, and they did. And they were very, very supportive, the family and everybody else. And, and, and I got to ultimately see and meet both of those cars and the people that owned them and all of that. And, um, and so I did that book, and it's called The Bullet The Cars and People Behind. Steve McQueen.
0: And oh, yeah. I'm very was, proud of it. I yeah, think you it's should be. I think very... it's
2: my Magnum Opus.
0: Yeah, that's and a very
2: I, special book. I uncovered so much material. Um, made a few people unhappy along the way who thought <laughs> they owned cars that used to be owned by Steve McQueen. Oh, you know, I have the wheels from that car. I what? have the engine from that car. Yeah, really? No, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, we used to get you were at the magazine. We used to get calls, "Hey, I found the bullet." Oh, yeah. If I had ish. a
1: nickel
0: For so everybody told me they had the original bullet, you know, I'd have at least yep. enough money to buy a candy bar.
2: Yep, <laughs> a big one, a king, king size. One, a king size, yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, Mike, um...
0: Mike Ray had had gotten me. I mean, we were able to get into the head of uh, Sean Kiernan, and became friends with him. And we were—I went to Kissimmee, and when they when they auctioned the car, and you know, there's there, there's Matt. We want to get your spin on this because we there's it's an argument in the Mustang community forever. Sure. Should. Kiernan or the family or somebody have taken the Steve McQueen movie car and restored it to the movie spec or should should the right thing was to leave it the way it was. What
2: is the answer to that question? The answer is in the mind of the beholder (laughs) and, and this particular, and this particular beholder feels that he did the right thing by mechanically recommissioning it. Okay, but not cosmetically restoring right. it. That's sort of like saying, you know what, that Mona Lisa chick thing, that painting, Mona. Yeah, she's looking a little tired after 450 years. <laughs> you know, why don't we just spray a coat of clear on her and she'll no, just you be put a lush, Botox she'll, in it. It'll be shiny. You know, and and I think that would have been the crime to have to have cosmetically restored the bullet car, because yeah. you know all of those dents were put on it in San Francisco. And and all that rust is original and, and anything that was bent or welded or fixed or broken or added or pilfered was done in the making of that movie. And I think, I believe in my heart to have cosmetically restored that car yeah. would have been to washed away all of its stories.
0: Mike Ray, I think we've just had the best new term we're going to use on the podcast. That was original rust. <laughs> Mike, Mike yeah, I'm going to use it. that in my sales technique. When I'm selling a used Mustang. Well, hey, it's, it's not rust there. no, no, Matt Stone said. that was a period, rust. period, correct, Ah, <laughs> oh, That's, that's man, all I got, I'm, guys. See, I'm what I'm, see, see what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, when you read Matt Stone, he comes up with terms that are just not used in the vernacular. It's just unbelievable. Well, Matt, and there's, and there's a lot of people. The other thing was, and I know you know a lot of the guys that, Mike Ray and I know, and uh, you know, the club always got invited to every bullet launch here in Dearborn. And uh, they knew Paul Randall, who did uh, the, the S-197. And and then we knew a guy, we, which we'll have on the podcast, and I think you may know him, Steve Denby. I worked on the Mustang programs. It was an svt as well. He went out, and when the bullet came out, he bought, and Mike, am I, I don't know, if sure, is it a black bullet or the blue? Yeah, the black one, yep. Yeah. So here's a question, Matt. Being the bullet superstar, the guy who wrote the book. What's with the black bullet? Do you buy into this whole thing that it makes it more appealing for other buyers?
2: All bullet Mustangs are Highland green metallic, no matter what color you paint them. (laughs) That's it. You
1: answered correctly. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: all of you listeners out there who own a black or a blue bullet, you should be black and blue. Or there's a red one. Don't forget the red one. There's the one red one. (laughs) yeah which will be as i understand uh paul rocha said he will have that down at the halderman museum when he takes his boss prototype out of there this summer he'll have the red bullet prototype but matt i couldn't agree with you more i mean i, I the marketing you know marketing people get involved and I, we we're going to have steve denby on the podcast and we're going to have to tell him matt stone even said <laughs> sorry bullet is going no
2: I'm be. Not. no I'm
0: not. <laughs> It's a bullet. Sorry, folks. If you've got a non Highland Green bullet, I, I'm just sorry. Actually, Mike, I'm not sorry.
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> me neither. And, and i got to say, though, I've seen, of course, I've seen all the other colors on bullet Mustangs, okay. and the black is particularly attractive. It's It becomes something different at that point. It's not a bullet Mustang to me, but... I, I maybe understand it a little what the marketing folks were uh. thinking, but I uh, not going there. All right, so that you know, was a buzzer, by the way.
0: Yeah. and <laughs> uh, So let's let's do this, Mike. And I hate to do this as well because you know you're selling these cars right now at Gorno Ford. <laughs> so uh, the Mustangs come a long way, but they every time we come up with a new one, it's quite polarizing, and and you know. I mean, I was at the SN95 long lead uh, there in Solvayne, California with John Colletti and and that group. And then and then when, when S197 came out, Mike Ray even fell off his horse and had to buy one. I have an S197 because I like the retro idea, the whole theme of Gail Halderman's original car coming back into the design. But then S550 happened. And boy, did we get some pushback. Oh, it looks like a Fusion. And now S650 matt what are your thoughts about the s650 mm,
1: how much tape you got
0: <laughs> well, mike do you have any um, on the lot do you have any... yeah.
1: i know you don't have yeah. a dark i got one on the showroom floor right in front of my desk is it a dark horse uh, no just a regular gt premium but you know the funny thing is when you brought about bullet you know when i first started my career of selling my first car i ever sold was a bullet mustang and yes it was green
2: <laughs> there we go
0: yeah, but Matt, to, to so many people question, have told me. I don't know why. And I'm going to bring this word. You brought it up, Matt, and so don't blame me. Somebody who first saw the car, we were at the uh, pre-reveal, and he turned to me, and the first word out of his mouth was, "Looks like a Camaro." Uh-huh.
2: Oh, I I don't see that exactly. Um, in my heart of hearts, I I probably wish for it to be a little smaller, uh-huh. a little lighter. And maybe not so expensive. Although I do appreciate a lot of what it has going on. I think that it those engine packages are are, have really come a long, long, long way, and and a lot of the configurability and the stuff that's done with the driver inputs and and all the instrumentation is really attractive. And some of the crisp lines I like. uh, Like I said, I would I would vote for it to be a little trimmer, a little lighter, and a little less money. I think.
0: Well, Matt Stone. That is exactly what the genius that created Mustang in the first place, Hal spurlick has long said about current Mustangs, that, that that's exactly the formula that they, they used back in 1964, the right size, the right price, and and of course, the, the, the right weight. Is it's all about power to weight, as you know, as a sports car buff. And, uh, you know, I, I just have to commend you on that, because as and people who have followed Mustang all through the years, you know, and, and I'll take my lumps for being a second-gen lover, but... Power to weight, everything that's wrong with a a 77 Cobra 2 with a 302 in it can be repaired by the Ford Racing Catalog. Because a 5 liter is a 5 liter. And then then you come up with uh, the thing like power to weight, which when you bring second gens against everybody else, it wins because it's small and light. So I totally agree with you. And I just think we're so blessed to have Mustang and then have you continuing to write about it, continuing to drive them. And now uh being able to look back and see hey there is there's a flavor there's something about the car and Matt you must have just uh, there's got to be something in your head that says you know there's just something remarkable about Mustang versus all the fabulous cars you've driven muscle cars and Exotica and Italian sports cars and mundane trucks you've driven it all but there has to be something to be said for the Mustang
2: yeah and I think I think we're saying it with words and action by buying them, driving them, enjoying them, loving them, and clubs the Maxum, whatever a heck a Maxum is. Um, <laughs> that was a Nissan, was it a Maxima? <laughs> no, no. Okay. Anyway, it's, Mike, who uh, came I'm over there? I'm just sorry, Mike. I couldn't resist that. That acronym. <laughs> that acronym was too good. I'm sure we could come up with some really fun definitions of that acronym. But no matter. Um, I, I think. John, everybody that does what we do and and buys them and sells them and drives and continues to celebrate them and they put them in the movies and blah and blah and blah. That's why we have Mustangs still.
0: Yeah. Yep. That's why it's still there. And, you know, for young people even, you know, they, I see, man, I see 65 Mustangs still in commercials today. How about that? How how can a car that's 60 years old still look cool? I mean, Very few things that are 60 years old look as good as they were the day they came out.
2: (laughs) Well, I'm one of them. (laughs) I'm actually 65. I'm 65, and you can see every mile in my face. I promise you.
0: Oh, you son of a (laughs) gun. No, that's not what I meant. But anyway, it's true, and I I think – and, and and matt you've also touched on this in so many of your stories a lot of it has to do it's not just about the persona of this car and the fact that america is kind of just it just touched its soul i think a lot of it has to do with design a lot you think yeah well that's just me what do i know but but i think there's just something about i don't know stance mike you know when people come in you know, no matter what you have on the showroom floor they they gravitate to that car i mean just, oh always it's even
1: if you're not in the market for it yes absolutely that is absolutely true and everybody comes in and does not does not walk do a walk around that car especially now the new ones everybody wants to see the new 650 in person and uh yeah everybody comes in sits in it you know takes a look at it whether they're there for an edge or whatever it is they definitely stop and take a look at the Mustang
0: yeah that that's a testament to that and Matt I'm so happy that you continue to promise me you'll continue to write for fordperformance.com as long as I can make that happen.
2: Uh, Yes. You heard it here live. I promise. (laughs) And
0: continue to go to all those wonderful Shelby events, those great shows out there on the left coast and all the things that you do. I know you're so still heavily involved in the hobby. I, I just, I, your, your, your schedule amazes me. Uh, Everybody knows you. John Kleiner couldn't speak more highly of you and he's a, yeah, he's a superstar when it comes to Ford guys on the West Coast. So, thank you so much, Matt, for spending some time with us talking Mustangs. And please keep this good work going. And and all the whether it's a book, uh, on the radio, whatever you do, uh, keep it going for us. Will you, pal?
2: Yeah, happy to do it. And if you ever want to have a um, an artificial intelligence podcast with Carroll Shelby, you know I can I can cover him pretty well. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <Man>. Hey, <laughs> but that's a good idea. You know, Mike, we got to have Matt back on. <laughs> All his Carroll Shelby stories, he's got enough of them to fill a second podcast. And some
2: of them Matt, cannot be said in mixed company well, with the public.
0: We'll have to see if the Mustang Owners Museum will <laughs> let us get on the
2: podcast. Matt, promise <laughs> us
0: you'll come back and share some Shelby stories with us. Let's do it. Let's do it, boys. You got it. Thank you again. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's a wrap for this edition of the Mustang Owners Podcast. And as always, we welcome your comments. Just send them to clubhub at ford.com. So until next time, we'll just have to catch you down the road. We'll see you